The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jellinch. And today we'll share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the Send Message button right below the banner. Each week on the show, we will respond to a listener question or comment, so please let us know what's on your mind. We would love to hear from you. Today's show is titled Focus on Recovery. When we first get clean and sober, we quickly learn that success requires a strong focus on walking the recovery path. There are many potential distractions and excuses that can derail us. It's all too easy to get stuck in the weeds rather than move ahead unencumbered. Today, we want to share our experiences staying focused on recovery in a world of distractions. We'll begin today by talking about the various distractions that we encountered in our early sobriety, and then we'll shift to sharing about what staying focused on recovery looked like for us. After the break, we'll share exactly how staying focused on our recovery helped us to avoid those distractions and eventually led us to experience successful sobriety. So, Dan, would you share with us about some of the distractions you encountered in your early recovery? Yeah. The the first one that comes to mind, and I've, I'd always been struck by this, was how how really foggy my mind was. So I'm not sure if that's, I mean, in, in a way it's a distraction. It's an, it's an encumbrance. I definitely uh, felt that way um, because, you know, I might, I might feel like I really got something one day and then it just sort of like slipped my, it's like my mind that some molasses mixed in with it or something. Everything just didn't, <laughs> I wasn't used to that, you know, in my life in general, um, I didn't feel like my mind was quite that uh, sluggish or, you know, and I'm talking about like the first few months, especially. So being kind of foggy minded, I found to um, be a distraction or an encumbrance and, uh, you know, help. It made it harder for me to focus on the work in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes when we first 
uh, get into recovery, it can be so overwhelming. We don't know exactly what has hit us and everything is changing and there's just so much happening. We're learning so much. You know, I was thinking about how we we all come to the recovery experience in different ways. You know, some people um, come through a recovery center. Uh, some people maybe um, get clean and sober in a institution in jail or something like that. And some people get court ordered. There's, you know, and then some people, uh, you know, are just still doing their daily normal life every day, but attending 12-step meetings in the evenings or something. And so there's so many different scenarios. In my particular case, you know, I got clean and sober right smack in the middle of graduate school. And um, so, you know, life didn't stop for me to um, have time to focus on recovery and this whole new world that I had stepped into, um, life was still very much in session. I was a full-time graduate student. I had a at least 20 hour a week part-time job. You know, I had a lot of different things going on. And I think that's probably the case of so many of us. You know, I don't want to say that it's a luxury to be in a recovery center because certainly nobody wants to be in a recovery center, but there's a certain um, sense maybe in which people who do come through the doors that way have a little bit more opportunity to focus. It was really hard for me in early sobriety. I kind of wished that I could take a month off, a two months off, three months off, you know, and just focus on recovery, but that just wasn't my reality. So that, you know, everything in life was competing for my attention at that point. Yeah, you're reminding me of the work-related distractions and stress, you know, things that don't really, didn't really have anything directly to do with sobriety, um, you know, the the day job, our career. Um, I remember that, uh, you know, while while I was with in the recovery community, you know, with people, maybe, maybe at a meeting, maybe, you know, getting some uh, coffee after the meeting or what have you, I was, it was very easy to stay focused on recovery because I was surrounded by it. I was surrounded by people who I knew had been doing this successfully, but, you know, out of that context and in the context of a nine to five kind of job, that's, that's not really what's happening. And so, I found that work-related stuff, um, certainly work-related stress, but just work-related tasks, you know, and and duties that didn't really have anything to do with uh, recovery could sort of, th those things would be top of mind, I think is where I'm going with this. Those are the things that were foremost in my mind, and that means that my recovery was behind them somewhere. No, that's okay if I'm just doing that from nine to five. And in general, I was. But you know how we can carry our work home with us. It, it, it just becomes another source of something to focus on or hyper-focus on maybe in, in place of recovery. Yeah. Yes, there are just so many things that, you know, require our time and attention and um, you know some people come into recovery they've got families that they need to manage and children and I had a cat that was what I had to deal with was myself and my cat so I mean in that sense you know I was fortunate that I wasn't um, simultaneously raising children or managing a family household like so many people are when they get clean and sober and so I just know that for so many of us there are a million and one distractions um, 
you know, they tell us in early recovery not to make any big life changes. Um, you know, what do they say in the first six months or in the first year, you know, don't move, don't change jobs, don't get in a relationship, don't get engaged, which I did, of course, um, <laughs> you know, and so <laughs> there's a reason why they tell us that. Um, and of course, things didn't really end well for me, but that's just my story. And that was my journey. So, you know, in early recovery, relationships definitely can be a huge distraction. Um, that's why they recommend that we not do that in our first six months or first year. That can take you out. It takes a lot of people out. Yeah. Um, it didn't take me out. Fortunately, I was tenacious and I stuck with my sobriety, but it certainly didn't make my first year easy. Um, you know, but many people, like I say, come into the program, they already have a marriage intact. They don't have the luxury of, um, you know, being totally focused on themselves. They have other folks in their life that need them. So, like I say, there are just always so many different things that are vying for our attention and keeping our focus on recovery can be really challenging because of that. Yes. I'm also thinking of some of the excuses that my mind uh, came up with that wanted me to uh, buy into that most of the time uh, were not successful. Some of the time, I'm sure I did succumb to some of these excuses, but they're along the lines of, you know, thinking about the recovery community. Maybe it's time to go to a meeting. Oh, man, I went yesterday. Uh, do I, you know, maybe I don't need to go today. You know, the excuse of... I went yesterday, therefore what? Yeah. Well, therefore, obviously, I don't need to go today because I don't right. feel like it. So yeah. that was an excuse that would come up. And like I said, most of the time, I would just sort of recognize it as such and I would go anyway. But yeah. sometimes I think it, you know, it won the day. I'm like, yeah, I did go yesterday. I'll, I'll, I'll just pass this one by. Now, fortunately, that that did not become an ingrained habit. It was the exception, not the rule. But, you know, that's the kind of thing that could that did come up for me that was, uh, you know, a, a barrier or an impediment on my path. Yeah. You know, another thing I just thought of that's a distraction is just busyness. You know, um, we are very good. I am very good at keeping myself very busy um, when I don't want to deal with things that are uncomfortable. And to a certain extent, that's a coping mechanism and it's okay. You know, we, in, especially in early recovery, we have to do what we have to do to stay sober. And you and I were talking before the program began about, you know, any day in especially in early recovery but even today any day that you didn't pick up or drink you know or use is a good day in sobriety and sometimes that's all we can do but it's good to be aware of the way that we use busyness to um, distract ourselves from the focus of doing recovery work especially if there's looming recovery work that we're uncomfortable with you know like our fourth step or things that our sponsor or our counselor or you know pastor or whoever we're working with is trying to get us to begin to see and we don't want to see and we can keep ourselves really busy i mean my addiction can transfer to workaholism really quickly um, well, maybe not anymore. I'm too worn out these days. But back then, <laughs> it definitely could. Lord, I could keep myself busy all day long, just doing, 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 doing. And like I say, that was probably a coping mechanism for me. 
but it's good to be aware um, about the distractions that we are using to take the focus off of essentially ourselves and looking at ourselves. And, you know, this is a program of self-examination and some of it is extremely uncomfortable. So yeah, those distractions are definitely available to us. Yeah, in a, in a way, uh, hopefully it's uncomfortable because if it's not uncomfortable, we're probably not doing the work. Yeah. Uh, one thing I know that was a distraction was just straight up old habits. Yes. You know, everything from, so I get home from work and I walk in the house and what have I done at that moment in time for the last 10, 20 years or whatever, exactly. well, I have a drink. And so I same, you know, same job, walk into the same house. Oh, old habits. Right. So there I am face to face with, well, yeah, I used to do that, but I don't do that anymore. And so I'll do something different. And it's not difficult any one time. But where it got somewhat difficult is time after time after time after time. It's almost like it was, um, you know, it was an opportunity for me to give up or give in. Or, you know, if I were to personify it, it was trying to wear me down. Yeah. You know, like, like it wasn't anything. It's me. Right. It's my own right. thinking uh, processes that were the that were the problem there that were, you know, running contrary to my um, sobriety goals, but just old habits, old ways of doing things just right along with the excuses. Oh, I'm tired. I, I'm fine. I don't need to go. I feel fine. I don't need to go, uh, to a meeting today or, or man, I don't want to go back there. The so-and-so is so annoying. I get annoyed every time I see them. So, <laughs> you know, all these reasons to avoid the, the community and therefore the process, uh, can come up. Um, as well as old habits and for me a foggy mind and every other stress in life at the yeah. same time life but uh, now that we know about this challenge of distractions what is the solution well as always in unity we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles so that's where we begin Yes, and the unity spiritual principle that comes to mind, particularly in this context, is our third principle, which states we are co-creators with God, actively creating our world through thoughts held in mind. And given this, we know then that our success in sobriety will be an outpicturing of the thoughts that we hold in our mind, and that focus is the key, and that's what we want to highlight today. But what does it look like to be focused on recovery? How can I deal with these distractions that we talked about, all these life distractions, and to stay sober? So, Michelle, what is uh, what is focusing look like for you, or or maybe for us both that we could define it in its absence? You know, what, what therefore did lack of focus look like? I guess either way. But what comes to mind for you? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is um, in focusing on recovery is that there has to be a real commitment to our sobriety. You know, I had to be committed to my sobriety. And, um, you know, that maybe comes in different ways for different people. It took me a little while um, in early sobriety to, you know, really be sure that this is what I needed to do and that this is what I wanted to do. One of the things that helped me was, you know, God love AA people. They just know the exact things to say to you, don't they? You know, they would say, well, you know, how's your life going to be better if you drink? 
<laughs> you know, and and I I um, adopted this sort of saying that I would say to myself, you know, there's no problem in my life right now that drinking couldn't make a whole lot worse. You know, whatever it is that I'm dealing with, because I was dealing with a lot, a lot of things in early recovery. I, I knew that drinking was only going to make those problems worse. And that was one way that I stayed committed to my sobriety. You know, I just had to really get through my mind that this is what I needed to do. I needed to be sober. Um, drinking was only going to make all of these things worse, much worse, and certainly wasn't going to help me. So it just took me time to really come to that realization in a really real way that um, this was the deal I wanted to do. This was the life I wanted to have for myself. You know, that's reminding me of something that I heard many, many times over uh, in, in the recovery rooms and in the meetings that I went to. And it was that the only step that we had to kind of get right 100% is the first step. Yeah. That if we could not 100% commit to recognizing uh, our powerlessness, then, you know, we didn't perhaps have a foundation that was strong enough to build a sober life on. And so when I ask myself, well, what, what does focus look like in a recovery context? It, it looks like being very, very clear. Um, on kind of like what you were sharing, that this is where, this is the right place for me. This is what I want to be doing. Um, those to me are ways of, of paraphrasing um, the first step, acknowledging our uh, powerlessness, my powerlessness over alcohol. And so yeah. staying focused, the number one thing is knowing that that is true for me. You know, yes. this is not for anybody else. I'm not talking about anybody else. You know, I've had people say things like, well, you know, my grandmother, you know, drank Jack Daniels and smoked cigarettes and she's 100 years old. And I'd be like, right. great. So so step one for me is I need to become your grandmother, because right. if I do that, I'm going to die. Yeah, okay? I'm not your grandmother. The fact that someone else did it has absolutely nothing to do. No with my situation. And so staying uh, being very, very clear on the step one, the truth of, of step one, I know uh, for me is essential. It's an essential way that I can stay focused on recovery. Yeah. And you know, just for me in particular, this is my take, my story. I needed to not get real caught up in definitions of alcoholism and what it, you know, what it means to be an alcoholic. Am I an alcoholic? Are you an alcoholic? Like you kind of alluded to comparing ourselves to others. To me, I really needed to get to a point where that wasn't important. What was important to me was what I said previously, that I knew that there was not a single problem I had in my life, that drinking would not make a whole lot worse. That was what, that was my step one. That was the powerlessness, the unmanageability of my life. And it had a lot to do with alcohol, but it had a lot to do with other things too. And so I needed to not compare, which, you know, we always do. I did it. You know, you listen to other people and you think, oh, I'm, I'm worse than them. I'm not as bad as them. I'm, you know, <laughs> it's always that comparing, but deep inside, I knew that, you know, whether I technically qualified as somebody else's definition of an alcoholic or not was not important. It was that I knew I was in the right place. 
Um, and another helpful thing that people would say to me was, well, you can go out if you want. Go drink for a while and find out. That's always an option. If we're not sure about our commitment to sobriety, we can go and drink for a while and see how things go for us. And suddenly, like when they put it in those terms, it was like, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think <laughs> I want to do that because I think I know how that's going to end up. And, you know, and so sometimes we just have to, um, what do they say? Think the drink through. Yes. Drinking sounds like a really good idea, you know, when you're in pain or dealing with something difficult until you start thinking that through. Cause we all know it's not going to be one drink, you know, it's going to be many, many, and it's not going to end well. And just kind of carrying that thought process through to its conclusion, um, that was helpful to me in being really sure that I was where I needed to be. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that process in my head <clears throat> might go something like, so, yeah, well, so, you know, what's the big deal if I had a couple drinks? And then the uh, the answer in my head is, when did you ever have a couple drinks? A couple means two. When did you ever have two drinks? Never. Never. I mean, there's two at a time. Yeah, I did that all the time. Just one in each hand. Yeah. But two, no, no, no. So that I, I was pretty quickly had that, you know, that uh, shoulder angels, right, the the one on the one side, the good one on one side, and the bad one on the other, having this little discussion about whether it would be reasonable for, for me to drink or not. Um, something that comes to mind uh, for me with this is being honest and open-minded and willing. You know, f focus, I, I could expand the concept of being focused into the concept of um, and, and willingness is really with all this. Am I willing to be honest? Am I willing to be open-minded? Am I willing to, you know, show up for all of these things? And then we have, you know, how, H-O-W, uh, as the first letters for that. How do I stay sober? Well, H for honest, O for open-minded, and W for willing. You know, as you shared, I was reminded about all those um, am I an alcoholic quizzes, right, that are <laughs> online. I swear, I want to make one where you say, you know, are you an alcoholic? Take this quiz. And if you click the button, it says, yup. Yeah. So you can <laughs> because non-alcoholics sure, right? don't take online quizzes to see if they're alcoholic. At least not in my experience. Maybe that's a bit extreme, but yeah. Uh, so staying focused for me means staying focused on core principles, like being honest and open-minded and willing. You know, I know what that test is. Have you ever left a half-drunk half glass of wine on the table when you left a restaurant? <laughs> if you have, you may not be an alcoholic. Yeah, get out of here. I guarantee that we have never left a half-drunk glass of alcohol on the table. Um, you know, the other thing I was thinking about is they say a lot in recovery, this is a selfish program. And selfish tends to have a negative connotation. But what that means is that this is a program self focused on self, focused on us. It's a program of, you know, deep, thorough, unrelenting self-examination. And that's where the focus needs to be. And it's it's a long-term commitment, you know, because um, even though we, we, at the beginning especially, we take it one day at a time, but um, th that focus has to be on self. You know, we cannot be focused on what everyone else in our life is doing. Lord knows we have enough to deal with just with ourselves. And so to me, that's what that focus and that commitment was really about was, um, like you said, 
the willingness willingness and thank god we only have to do it one day at a time right thank god we only have to do it one step at a time and one next right thing at a time and it's really important that we keep it broken down that way um, so that it doesn't become totally overwhelming but it is a focus on self and there has to be a willingness to begin to peel back those layers and really you know, to thine own self be true and know thyself. I mean, that's really what it's about. Um, there's no other way to do the program. Got to have that willingness to really look deeply at ourselves. And, and, you know, even if we have other things going on in our life, which we undoubtedly do, there has to be um, a large part of our focus has to be on ourself, especially in early recovery. Yeah, I think it's... Um... For me, uh, the way I've seen that is that we are healing, and healing always requires a focus on self. You know, if, if somebody is has some kind of physical ailment and then they're in the hospital, you're not going to go up to them and say, how come you're not, you right. know, doing this and taking That's care right. of them and vacuuming the floor? Say, hold on a second. This person is is healing uh, from a sickness. That's what they need to focus on. Yes. They need to rest. And they need to heal, and and we're the same in that way. Except, like you say, yeah, we got other stuff going on. We're we're out in the world. We have a job. We may or may not have a family. You know, we have other responsibilities. But a decent portion of what we're doing does need to be focused on ourselves because we absolutely are healing. Yes. You know, I was thinking about the comparing. I was also given the advice. You know, don't compare, but rather you know try and find things that are in common. Yeah. instead of um, comparing. And uh, I know that our mind, you know, the way our thinking minds work, that they're comparing machines. That's what they do. Yes, that's true. They're, they're dual. They're oriented toward duality. It is this. It's not that. Yeah. You know, our, and our whole thinking is just a whole big summary or a, a, a gigantic mass of yes and no, it's this, it's not that. And mm -hmm. and this, so comparing comes very natural, yeah. naturally to all of us. I think just in literally in the way that our, our physiology is, is yeah. wired together. Um, but I heard a wonderful phrase that I'm sure I've shared with you before that has stuck with me about, you know, mind your own business. And that was um, from, from a context of the world of yoga, keep your eyes on your own yoga mat. Yeah. It does not matter what the person next yeah. to you can or can't do. Are yeah. they more or less limber more or less experienced with this or with that are they more graceful less great it does not matter right. keep your eyes on your own yoga mat and for us it's keep our eyes on our own sobriety um, is the carryover principle there yep. um, we're about to go to our break but before we do i have to throw in daily prayer morning and evening it That's can right. be the simplest thing in the world you know, whatever your belief system is, please keep me sober today. End of the day, thank you for this day of sobriety. But hold that thought because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. So please stay with us. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. <laughs> 
Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back, and we're glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jellinch. And we'll resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us any questions or feedback that you might have anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. So message us from there, and each week during the show we'll respond to a listener question or comment, so please let us know what's on your mind. Prior to the break, we were discussing the many distractions, many things competing for our attention and focus in our early sobriety. And then we also talked about what focus looks like in recovery, what it means to focus on our recovery. So, Dan, now that we've covered all those distractions and we know that the solution is to really focus on our recovery, how exactly does a focus on recovery lead us to successful sobriety? You know, what comes to mind for me first is, well, what does successful sobriety mean? Because it may it seems like it's the kind of thing that would mean the same thing to everyone, but I bet that it doesn't. I mean, there's so little that actually is the same thing for everyone. So I know for me, um, successful sobriety would be kind of a combination of certainly I'm physically sober, meaning I'm not putting alcohol in my body. That was, you know, that was the entirety of my focus in the beginning for quite a while. And that's all that was necessary. Now, slowly over time comes uh, what I'd heard referred to by those who had been around longer than me as emotional sobriety. And so maybe I'm not, you know, flying off the handle and, and becoming angry. Maybe I'm not replacing, you know, alcohol with becoming a rageaholic or, you know, we can get addicted to self-righteous indignation and all kinds of other emotional states. We, I want to be uh, so sober emotionally as right. well. So on an even keel, you know, not using emotions as a distraction from the, you know, any painful aspects of my life. And then, of course, um, I'd say, of course, for me, over time, it, it grew into what I might call a spiritual kind of sobriety. So again, it's about it's about being balanced. It's about being on an on an even keel, um, sort of all all around in my life. Yes. It it absolutely begins with not taking a drink. And then uh what can be added on to that is well what's you know what's going on in my emotional life and then you know what's going on with my spirit. Right. Yes, I agree. Um you know have being emotionally peaceful and sane and even keeled. I mean, that's the ideal goal on any given day. Our life may more or less resemble that. And it might really less resemble that, right? And it might not. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be different day to day, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it's, again, like we talked about before, really important to not compare to others because we're all coming in with a totally different set of challenges and circumstances yeah. and not to beat ourselves up if we aren't emotionally sane on a daily basis. You know, I'm 
not always sane even today. So, you know, um, not judging ourselves. It, you know, there's always that ideal goal of what we want our sobriety to look like. Ideally, we want our lives to be getting better and better and better every day, but it's not a completely linear trajectory. You know, it's more of a spiral. We spiral around and they're, you know, the, I mean, I've certainly had the experience in sobriety of, you know, cycling back to things I thought I dealt with years ago. And it's like, oh, here we go again with this one. And, you know, that's why I feel like it's a spiral. It's, it's a, you know, pro, a, a progressive upward movement, but there is spiraling. And so, um, you know, if, if today what I did was not drink and didn't kill anyone, you know, then that's a good day in Michelle land. <laughs> you know, that might be a good day today and tomorrow it might look differently. So successful recovery or successful sobriety is going to be different for each and every one of us. And it's going to be different on any given day. Uh, I find that to be true for, for me as well. Yeah. Um, I remember early on uh, it being stressed and I found this to be true and very, very important for me was, um, you know, staying focused on recovery means that my sobriety is the A1 number one priority in my life period, the end barring all others. Yes. Any relationship is secondary to me staying sober. Any job, secondary. Uh, where do I live? You know, what am I doing? Any, absolutely every other aspect of my life is in line behind my sobriety. Yes. And I, I heard that so many times. I could see why that would be true. I mean, it just made sense in my head. But then I also experienced that it was true. And I'll always remember Don F. I think I've mentioned Don F. before. Don F. had an impossibly large number of years. You know, in my first year of sobriety, he had over 40, 40 wow. years. And uh, one thing that Don said that really uh, struck, struck me, stuck with me, is he related how his sponsor 40 years ago told him uh, in the beginning, meaning the first year or two, two years, this still counts, um, it, when you go to bed at night, when your head hits the pillow, if you didn't take a drink, you won. It doesn't yep. matter what else happened. It, nothing else matters. Your sobriety right. is number one. It, and it has to remain that way. So that's, that kind of focus on recovery has been um, super helpful to me, you know, foundational for leading me to into what I would uh, consider um, or what we might call successful sobriety, whatever that is, let's call it right. sobriety. But yeah, focus to that degree. Yeah, again, and you know, we were talking before about it being a selfish program. And so when we say my number one priority in life has to be my own sobriety, that can sound selfish, but we have to remember that I am of no use to anyone if I'm drunk, you know, or I mean, at this point, it's not just staying sober, it's having some reasonable level of emotional sobriety, like you were talking about emotional um, peace and sanity and general spiritual well-being. If I'm not, if I don't have that, I can't be of use to my son, to my family, to my partner, to my coworkers, to anyone. And so ultimately, by focusing on myself, I am helping others. So it's not selfish you know it is but it's not um that self-focus is what allows us to be um emotionally well enough that we can be in service to others 
Absolutely. I mean, there are, there are things if I if I wanted to get silly and stretch that like breathing is more important to me than anything else, right? Because if right. I stop breathing, nothing <laughs> else matters. Well, you know, being sober is is approaching that level. I mean, that's a little yeah. bit silly. You know, with drinking water, breathing, and eating are the things that physically literally keep me alive. But being sober is very close second behind those things. That's truly how important it is. So another focus um, that comes to mind when I think about staying focused on recovery is focusing on this tired old saying that we have, one day at a time. Mm. I got sick of hearing that. I remember early on asking uh, a quote old timer, an old timer was someone with more than 20 years, you know, when I was in my first couple of years. Um, asking them, so, you know, so when do you get to stop with the whole one day at a time thing? And they just smiled and looked at me. And the one guy said, I do that every day yeah. now. Like that helped me a lot yeah. for him to say that, you know, it was a very kind and, and loving manner that he said it, but very matter of factly, he didn't just say never. Why would you say that? You know, he wasn't critical at all. He just said, I, I, I use that every single day. And that told me exactly when that principle would fade away. Never. This yeah. is central. That he, he told me that that concept was central to um, successful sobriety. And so focusing on right here and right now, one day at a time, it could be one hour at a time. It could be just between now and when I get home from work, or it could be for the next five minutes, you know, depending on what's happening, uh, just let let it be okay for right now. Let it be okay for today. Yeah. And that's, that's enough. We don't need to worry about tomorrow. Yeah, we have enough to deal with just in the present 24 hours. <clears throat> I think it's a, it's generally a very spiritually sound way to live our lives is to stay as much in the present as possible. Um, getting out in the future or in the past is sometimes our way of not, you know, not dealing with what's happening in the present. So, being in the present really is a spiritual discipline as well as a wonderful tool when, um, you know, we're in recovery and just taking one day at a time, doing that next right thing. You know, another way that the focus on sobriety looked for me was that, um, and I'm sure to people on the outside, it probably looked like my life had really become very centered around my, my recovery and my 12 step, you know, but that's what I needed at that time. And, um, I'm not saying that's for everyone, but I needed the focus on my life to be on recovery. And then over time, you know, other things came back into my life in different degrees, you know, but in early recovery, I needed to surround myself with recovery. So I needed to go to meetings, if not every day, at least four or five times a week. Um, I needed to have friends in recovery that I could do things with socially. I needed to, uh, you know, I did things like um, I would go to these conferences where they sell, well, back then it was cassette tapes. Now I'm dating myself, but <laughs> they sold cassette tapes of like really well-known AA speakers. And I used, well, I used to have to commute about an hour to my job every day. And I used to listen to those speakers in my car. And that really helped me because it was like I was getting an awesome AA meeting on the way to my job, you know. And so I kind of just... Um, what do you call it? Like I immersed myself. So recovery is a new 
type of life. It has a new language. It has a, you know, new ways of doing and being. And so there was that immersion for me of, um, I need to learn this. I need to fill as much of my life with this stuff as possible. Um, and so things like that, listening to recovery speakers in my car. And um, I found some music that was recovery based that was very helpful to me. It was like, <clears throat> it's probably out there somewhere. It was a, well, it was a cassette tape. Now it would be a CD of um, songs. Each song was uh, about one of the steps. But basically what I'm saying is, you know, getting as much, soaking up as much of that recovery wisdom as I could in as many different modalities as I could. And that was really helpful for me. I like that focus on one of the things that you shared about as you shared, um, you know, keeping every everything related. What I was hearing is everything related to living sober, keeping all of that at the top of the list. And one of those things for me, you you mentioned as well, and that's the community. You know, so to focus on recovery in part meant to me to focus on recovery community. Now, um, I know that uh, everybody, it's not, you know, it is, I would never say that it's not possible to have successful sobriety without a recovery community. I think for me, it'd probably be very difficult if if not impossible, but I know people who've done it without. And so I'm not trying to say this is how it is for everyone. But for me, uh, focusing on recovery meant focusing on the community, which just meant showing up. I only had to do two things, show up. And then say yes, in general, say yes when I was asked to do something. You know, not every single little thing, um, but in general, you know, my default answer would be, yes, I'll be happy to help with that unless there was some reason that really that I couldn't. You know, like I'm out of town. I can't take the I can't take a group into the the detox at the hospital this Friday because my grandmother is coming over for dinner or whatever. But in general, you know, yes, I am I am willing to be a part of the group that takes um, a, a group into the, to the detox. I, I was, I was on the other side of that myself. You know, I, I literally drank myself into the hospital and, um, there were people that showed up there and brought a recovery program into the detox where my mind wasn't working at all. And that's in fact, where I picked up, um, my white chip after I asked them to remind me what a white chip was. Because they asked me, they had just talked about it, and they asked me if I wanted a white chip. And I was like, <laughs> what's that? Could you remind? Because that was like three minutes ago, and I can't remember anything. <laughs> but, you know, to to participate, to be a part of the community, just like those men that showed up were part of the community, just like I was able then to be the one on that side of the table, you know, sometime later. Uh, and give back in that way. So focusing on recovery for me, in part at least, means focusing on participating in the community. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's also part of learning that recovery can be a heck of a lot of fun. You know, if if you've never been to an AA meeting, I mean, if you stand outside the door of an AA meeting, I guarantee you're going to hear laughter and you're going to hear all kinds of stuff because we have a, an awful lot of fun. And, and you know, we were saying before, I didn't get sober to be miserable. I got sober to be happy, joyous, and free. Yes. So there's got to be, you know, that um, ways to find fun. And the recovery community is an awful lot of fun. 
so again, that focus for me, it went from a focus on my sobriety and recovery to ultimately um, a focus on my own spiritual growth and well-being. And that's a focus that um, continues to be my number one priority today. So that really has to be the top thing in my life. What that's my, you know, what do they say on those TED Talks? What's your why? That's my why. You know, <laughs> my why is, or that's my purpose. That is my focus, is my own spiritual growth and well-being. And for me, that in a lot of ways equates to an ever-deepening relationship with my higher power. And that has to be the top priority in my life. Um, I believe that's what I'm here for. I believe that's my sole purpose in life. Everything else stems from that. But if I don't have that, then I don't have any of the other stuff. So that's why that needs to be the focus in my life. And so what that means is that the choices that I begin to make in recovery need to always be in service to that top priority. And so for me in recovery, that meant that I started to make decisions and choices that um, that had my own spiritual growth and well-being as their goal, you know, that that was the purpose. And um, that's going to look different for everyone, but that was the guiding principle for me. Is this going to ultimately be good for me spiritually? Is this going to deepen and further my relationship with my God? Um, and if it is, great. And if it's not, then no, I don't need to do that. So that's sort of a weeding out, you know. Um, and it's only become, I mean, I probably didn't have this level of commitment that I'm speaking to today back then, you know. I mean, I'm obviously coming from where I'm at now. But um, it's only become more and more and more important to me in my life that my top priority is my spiritual well-being and my relationship with God. Yeah, I, I call that and I'm right with you on that. And, and what I call that is living by spiritual principles. You know, that's kind of the program phrase that gets right at uh, what is the top priority for me is literally that, living according to spiritual principles. And that means, um, you know, conscious contact with God, as I understand God, as a regular way of life. Yes. And, you know, these are things that I learned uh, from attending Unity Church uh, and from um, recovery communities, recovery principles, recovery literature, you know, all of that stuff. I feel fortunate in that I actually started going to a unity church some years, uh, quite a few years before um, I got on a recovery path. And so I kind of, I had an understanding of a higher power that I could immediately begin to apply and draw on. Now, it, it wasn't it wasn't nearly as important, maybe, as it what became, you know, when all of a sudden it's literally a, an issue of life in death, it became a lot more important. But, you know, focusing on um, unity principles, a unity church, you know, being a part of that community. Uh, I loved how uh, my minister used to refer to us as a merry band of seekers, you know, uh -huh. on a fairly regular basis. And I, I love that description. I feel that way today that I want to be a part of that group. You know, I want to be a part of a group that's a, mer a merry band of spiritual seekers. Yeah. But what, what he meant to say. 
So staying focused on recovery means staying focused on spiritual principles. And, and for me, and maybe this is just another aspect of, you know, of addiction is that I'm all in, I am all in on spiritual principles. I I went to seminary, you know, Heck yeah. I I, I went from, you know, I I, I jumped in, if I had four feet, I'd jump in with all four of them. You know, I'm, I'm completely down with living my life according to spiritual principle. Now, everyone doesn't have to become a minister or whatever. It's not necessary at all. But what I, I suspect may, may be necessary is finding your own relationship with spiritual principle and, and learning what that means uh, in your own life. What does it mean to live by spiritual principles for, for each for each of us? And it's not the same. No. You know, doesn't look the same on the outside. Boy, I'll tell you, the way that life has gone for me is that if my focus ever strays from God being the first most important thing in my life, life will give me something that will bring me to my knees and make God take top priority once again. And it's happened to me many, many times. Um, That's the humbling process. You know, it's the human hubris to think that we don't need God, that we don't need spirituality. And um, as soon as I get into that hubris, life hands me a nice, tidy little lesson that I absolutely do that I, you know, that um, it's that humility that that being on your knees, which is not always a fun place, but I always say is always a state of grace. Um, Being on my knees in that that willingness, that surrender. Um, is a state of grace for me, opening back up to the assistance of a higher power and surrendering my human ego will to something greater than myself. So I found unity um, early in my sobriety, so grateful for that. And that just helped my focus become more and more on spirituality because now it wasn't just 12-step meetings. It was attending church on Sundays, and then it was starting to do service in church, and then it was starting to hang out with other church people. And, you know, again, it just became more and more an important part of my life. And uh, that focus, you know, you and I have a similar path in that we both ultimately went to seminary and became ministers. And I never could have predicted that if you would have told me that 25 years ago. (laughs) Nope. But um, life never ceases to surprise me and amaze me. So um, that's just been the path for me that, you know, it's just become more and more the focus of my life. Absolutely. And, you know, um, before we uh, shift gears again, what's coming to mind as you share that is, is how important it is to me to be doing for others, at least to some degree, you know, and in my life now, I'm, I'm showing up at church as a leader and a community member. I'm, I'm doing for others in, in a recovery community. It could be from making coffee to chairing a meeting. But let's change gears now and turn our attention to a question or a comment from you, our listeners. So here's a question that often comes up. If there was one recovery tool that you could reach for when the distractions of life are getting at me, what would that tool be? Well, again, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I will. Um, For me, that tool is put God first. Put God first, um, whatever God means to you, uh, which will likely change. It's always in flux for me, but seeking God first in all things, um, 
staying connected with, I like to call God sometimes HP, staying connected with HP, um, prayer and meditation being, a, you know, the, the means to keeping that connection, that keeping that conscious contact, that checking in regularly, and always seeking God's guidance. I mean, that helped me so much because I hadn't lived that way previously, and I had a lot of things that came up in sobriety that I needed to make choices about, and that was the new way for me, was seek God's guidance in all things and make decisions from there, and that that was life-saving and life-changing for me. One thing I remember learning along the way was from uh, the spiritual teacher, Eckhart Tolle. So he had a book that I had on CD that I had on repeat in my car for a long time. And uh, he talked about this concept, what he calls a conscious breath. A conscious breath is simply, you know, taking a moment, focusing our attention within for a single breath, a single inhale and exhale cycle. When do we do this? Whenever it occurs to you. There's no magic. There's no schedule. You don't need a timer. Just whenever it occurs to me, uh, take a conscious breath, which just means relax for a second. Notice what it feels like to breathe in. Notice what it feels like to breathe out. And so what that reminds me, and I'm kind of with you on this, I would say take a breath and say a prayer. You know, the prayer could be a silent prayer. The prayer could be the serenity prayer, or it could be any statement or affirmation or anything that that reminds me of who I am and what I'm doing. Anything that acts as a guide or a reminder uh, for me. So take a breath and say a prayer. That's the one go-to tool that I would use. Excellent. Well, we always like to offer you an affirmation that um, pertains to what we've been talking about today and that you can take with you throughout the week. So our affirmation today is, the presence of the divine within is my refuge and my strength, always there to help and guide me. Once again, the presence of the divine within is my refuge and my strength, always there to help and guide me. Well, we have come to the end of our time here today, and we hope that you found something that will help you on your own recovery path. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, for our discussion, and thanks to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. Listeners, if you would like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and give us your thoughts and feedback. We invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Until then, have a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.